Welcome to Mentor Tax for Munchkins. I'm Kelly, an early literacy specialist who walks the line of pushing the curriculum just outside the box. I'm a mom of five and a lifelong children's book fan. This podcast shares ways to inspire young readers and writers through the pages of great picture books. Listen to inspirational biographies of the writers behind some of the very books we have on our shelves. Get mini lesson ideas as we talk shop and discuss outside the box learning for home and the classroom. We make books, authors, and literacy strategies real. We are bringing joy back into our classrooms. Whether you're here for inspiration, mini lesson ideas, or to fall in love with some of your favorite children's books all over again, welcome to the community. Welcome back, Mentor Text for Munchkins community. I am super excited for today's show because today's show is going to be the first one in a kickoff series to get us ready for the summer. So we are just coming off April break in my household right now. My husband's been on break. I had my break and my kids have all experienced theirs in all their different levels of school. And they are definitely in summer mode. And a lot of the classrooms I'm working in right now, everyone's saying, oh, I'm done. The kids are done because they totally have spring fever. And it's real. It definitely kicks in. Anyone who's taught the lower grades, and I'm sure even in the upper grades, you know when the weather gets nice, everybody's mind is on vacation, baseball, sleeping in. And there's so much happening outside our windows that it can be a lot to compete with. But here's where we're going to challenge ourselves. This is also an opportunity to have a lot of fun at the end of the year because here's what I also know. It seems like there's a little more freedom that comes with these last few months. You have testing, so your schedule's a little bit choppy. The curriculum sometimes runs out at this point and you've gotten through it already and you have these weird gaps where you're not sure where to go with it. Or maybe your observations are over and you feel like you have a pressure that's released off of you. So you have a little bit more time to try something fun that you'd want to explore yourself. So here's one of the things I suggest for the end of the year and that we'll be looking at in this series. Look at something for the next few months that you would like to try that maybe isn't in the curriculum or maybe you haven't done before, but that you think would be really joyful for both you to teach and for your students to experience because you have an opportunity to create something in the next few months that can culminate with all the skills that they've been learning for the whole year, that can lead to a project that they get to take home with them as a memory of their time with you, and also a new opportunity to see reading and writing in a different way. So for this series, we're calling it How to Create a Happily Ever After for the End of the School Year. We're going to take a look in the next few episodes at some samples of things you can do with your class to walk that line of straying maybe a little bit from the curriculum if you have that freedom and trying something new because it will embrace the craziness that your class is going through, ignite their curiosity so it's easier to get their focus and attention and bring a lot of fun into the end of the school year. It's tempting to start packing up your books in your library and to put away all your papers and keep things neat so it's easier to wrap up. But this will absolutely be a worthwhile experience. So just to give you a foreshadowing of some of the things we're going to talk about in this series, 
And these are by no means the end of the list. There's so many different possibilities, but we're going to look at a fairy tale study, book clubs, creating a mystery unit, nonfiction research with a culminating celebration, how to create a game and they get to design the directions, and creating an all about class book that they can then share with the incoming uh, grade level for the next year, or a collection of memoirs as a class that you could then share with each other at the end of the year off their experiences in your class and the grade level together. So this is just a sample of some of the things we're going to cover. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And please, you don't have to try all the things on this list. Any one of these things would probably take a little bit of time. So think about what's your favorite, what you want to give a shot. And if you have any ideas that have really worked for you at the end of the school year as well, please be sure to share them. We would love to hear them. So here goes episode one in the Happily Ever After End of the School Year series. We are looking at how to end the year with Once Upon a Time and looking at fairy tales. So the fairy tale unit is probably one of my favorite units to teach with, especially uh, K through third, because for a lot of them, fairy tales are new. They don't know all of them just yet, or they've only seen them through movie format. And it's a really, really fun way to engage the class as a whole. So recently, we picked up the Atlanta Stories uh, audiobook from the library by Chris Colfer. Love him. He's from Glee. And he actually reads the book, the audiobook himself. And we were listening to it in the car as we had our really, really, really long commute to activities that are far from our house. And I forgot how much fun fairy tales were. So if you haven't had a chance to read The Land of Stories yet, it's great for an adult as well. Uh, it takes two characters who fall into an imaginary fairy tale world and go on all these adventures and you get to meet all these characters and you get so excited even as an adult as different characters that you're familiar with pop into the story. So it got me thinking, I'm like, I'm excited as an adult that these fairy tale characters are popping up and I know them. I feel like I know them. Cinderella pops in. She's my girl. I've known her for so long. I've seen her in so many different versions. Goldilocks, so cool to see Goldilocks come to life because I feel like I know her. I've read her in so many different books. I've seen her in so many different formats. So I realized that one of the things that's bringing me joy about listening to this story was the familiarity of the characters. And then the setting as well too. They go to the gingerbread house. They go to different palaces. And I felt like I had just enough background knowledge to really imagine what these places look like even though Chris Colfer does a wonderful job of bringing in detail. I didn't need a whole lot of detail because I felt like I had some background knowledge on it. So it got me thinking, why not bring fairy tales in for an entire study? And I've actually done this with students in the past because that familiarity, that feeling of, I know these characters, I know this setting is going to carry them through because they will encounter fairy tales so often throughout their childhood and their adulthood. And it's something that really sticks with them. There's a reason these stories are timeless. There's a reason why they're some of the most recognized and replicated stories in the world. And it's that familiarity that you can kind of hold on to as you read different versions or different takes on it. I mean, we have how many Broadway plays right now that are based off of a fairy tale? Because there's something to these that really get at the heart and make you feel like you know the characters, you know the settings, and they're a piece of you. 
So that was my soapbox for why fairy tales, just to let you know. Um, but I really think that there's such a, a deep thing to it that we don't always put a name on it. I mean, you look at Disney World. Disney World is based off how many different fairy tales and people spend all year planning to be in that setting so they can experience the fairy tales and be part of it. There's something really, really strong there. So as kids are going off the rails and getting ready for the end of the school year, we can take them into something that is most likely going to be familiar to them, build on that, make it even more familiar, and bring a little bit of uh, wonder and magic as they're getting ready to plan their summer too. Who knows? Maybe you have somebody who's uh, making a trek out to Disney World as well, and they'll really appreciate this. Um, I have to tell you, there's a storage unit place. Ugh, breaks my heart. It actually wasn't supposed to be a storage unit place. There was this amusement park that was based off of fairy tales uh, close to where we live, and it went out of business for some reason, or the family decided not to continue it. And now it's a storage unit place, but sometimes I drive out of my way when we're traveling in that direction just to drive by it because it looks like the old woman in the shoe and it has all these fairy tale characters out there and gosh fairy tales just make people happy so let's get ready to make our students happy and look at some of the big points that we can bring for reading and writing with fairy tales so one of the things i just touched upon is the role of background knowledge that comes into fairy tales because a lot of students may have background knowledge from either fairy tales from their own countries if they're new to the country or they've seen Disney movies, they've seen TV shows, so they have an idea of what some of these fairy tale characters may be like. So with that being said, it's good to start with a fairy tale that you think will be very familiar to them, um, something that they may have heard before. You may not want to go into some of the more obscure fairy tales, but start with one that would be very familiar. So a good starting place for this, if you have kindergarten or first grade, uh, kind of ask the teachers before what were some of the fairy tales that they've heard before. A lot of preschools and kindergartens do a big study on the three little bears or the three little pigs. So it's good to know that first so that you don't go too in deep, too in depth with that fairy tale because they may have already heard a lot about it, but you can use it to kick off the unit. So the idea is you take a story that would be familiar to them and you build off of that. But if it's a story that they studied for a really long time in kindergarten, they may just want to touch upon it for a little bit and then go more in depth into a different fairy tale. So background knowledge is huge because a lot of the things in fairy tales kids will be able to visualize. Uh, princess, castle, king, these are all things that are pretty familiar to children. So that helps a lot with the comprehension. There's such strong visuals in fairy tales and the story structure is so predictable for the most part, and that's huge. So fairy tales are probably one of my favorite units for the end of the year because they hit so many key comprehension strategies that you've taught throughout the entire year. You're looking at story elements. Fairy tales have really strong story elements. They have really strong characters, and the characters have traits, and the characters have flaws. They have really strong plots. You want to talk about problem and solution? We got it. You want to talk about the big climax of the story? It's very obvious in fairy tales. And it's a very accessible uh, genre. So you can get materials on reading A to Z. If you do a quick search on Teachers Pay Teachers, there's so many free printables 
for different fairy tale resources that come up. So there's a lot of resources out there and it's easy to get copies of fairy tales. Every library has copies of fairy tales. Your school library, even if it's been abandoned, um, which I know is sometimes the case, probably has some of these laying around too. So it's a good one to get materials for so you don't have to scramble too much because it's, it's pretty uh, popular. And it's also a great way to look at theme. So for the students who are ready to go deeper, you really can talk about theme and morals of the story and the lesson of the story. You can look at how characters change because it's very obvious characters undergo physical changes as well as personal changes in their lives. There's how the problem was solved. That's always very, very strong in a fairy tale. And it's a great set of, of uh, tales to use for connections too because you can pick a character you can connect with or how a character is feeling. There's a lot of feelings that go on while they're hearing fairy tales. There's the oh no feelings and the whoo, I'm glad that's over and sadness and joy and how every time we feel that as a reader, it means we're connecting to something in the story as well too. And it's also a good one for, for students to look at connections between other books so here's how I used to start out uh, fairy tales we would look at what is a fairy tale and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment and what makes a fairy tale a fairy tale and then we would look at how fairy tales have been retold over and over and over again for for many many years and how sometimes there's little pieces of it that may change so this is where we got into a lot of work around story elements. And if it sounds like I'm talking in really deep turns, I will tell you that this was done with first grade and they totally got it and loved it. So we broke down fairy tales into characters, the problem, the solution, and we talked about villains who were in fairy tales and then a lesson that was learned. But we also looked at how fairy tales usually have elements of magic and that there's animals who may have uh, personification or people powers in it as well too. So we said that these are the basic ingredients that you have for a fairy tale, right? So your basic ingredients are a villain, a problem, a solution, elements of magic, and animal personification, that these are usually things that, that show up. And then we talked about how when writers retell fairy tales they take those ingredients and maybe they just change one or two so this became really fun later on to make text-to-text -text connections because we could ask ourselves and first graders totally understood this this language what was the ingredient that this writer chose to change when they created this retelling of the fairy tale so it really helps them stop and think about story elements. They really have to be paying attention to that to be able to pick it out. And I had done retelling in the beginning. You do retelling all day long in first grade, right? It's, it's such a huge skill. But I never found as much success with actually being able to name the elements of a story as I did when I did the fairy tale unit. It was, and again, this is the end of the year when kids are usually slowing down and they're tired and you feel like they're, they're not going to learn anything new or they're not ready for anything new. So it's not that we're teaching them lots of new things, but we're really building on the comprehension they've done through the year. And this really seems to make sense for a lot of kids and help them hold on to all the important parts as they're reading. 
So here are some of the essential questions that you want your students to be able to ask themselves uh, or answer themselves. What are the text structures and elements that are common in fairy tales? So like I said, in first grade, we called them the story elements or the ingredients. With older students, you could say text structure and elements. But for first grade kindergarten, we used to say, uh, what are the parts of the story that are common in fairy tales and what are the ingredients that are common in them? Uh, what elements did an author keep the same or change? And why do you think the author made these decisions? So when they're looking at different retellings, uh, you can ask yourself, well, who, why do you think they changed it? Why do you think the author wanted to change this part of the story, but not another part? And sometimes you can know by researching it, and sometimes it's just fun to infer. What is the problem in the story, and what is the solution? How do feelings help a reader connect to a character? And how does knowledge of fairy tales help us make predictions as we read other fairy tales? So what do we know about fairy tales as a genre? So now we're looking bigger that we can start to make predictions as we look at other fairy tales too. So to start this unit out, we talked about finding a fairy tale that may be familiar to them and then also finding another fairy tale you would like to focus on. So you can read um, multiple fairy tales throughout this unit and look at them across the board. And then maybe there's two fairy tales you really wanna focus on for looking at connections or um, to look more in depth at how they've been changed through retellings. So I've seen this done a couple different ways. So I've seen uh, some classes do a Cinderella study because there's lots of Cinderella books from across the, the world and they've done a map. We actually did this one year where you take the book covers for the different Cinderella books and you put them on the map and then really look at the settings and how the settings influence it or the language or the problems and talk about how the setting influences. So you could go in that angle and think of one fairy tale and look at how setting can influence and change the story and how that's the ingredient that all of these authors changed or how they made characters a little bit different based on the setting. That's a lot of fun. Or if you're looking for two stories where you can find lots and lots of books that are different variations, there are a ton for Jack and the Beanstalk and the Three Little Pigs and Goldilocks and the Three Bears. There's an abundance of books that you can look at uh, if you wanted to make some connections there too. So we'll know if they have really understood everything that we've talked about in this unit. If they're able to tell us at the end what are some things that fairy tales have in common if they're able to choose a fairy tale from the classroom and show you why it's a fairy tale and point to certain things in the book to explain what makes it a fairy tale, text evidence, we love it. If they can show you text evidence uh, and explain how they know that's the problem in the fairy tale and same thing with the solution. And one of the things that's really fun, sorry, just like hiccup there. Uh, when looking at solutions is, was the solution solved by magic, good luck, or did something else help the character solve his or her problem? Because a lot of fairy tales, it comes down to three things. It comes down to magic, good luck, or sometimes it's a trait that the character had that really helped them solve their problem. So that's a fun one to look at too. And also if they can explain 
which characters are heroes and which ones are villains and how they know that. So these are just different prompts that we can give to really see if they understand uh, what's going on during this unit too. So some fun things that you can do for this at the end of the unit as a celebration, you can create a whole class book and based off maybe some of your favorite characters. So like a hall of characters or the hall of villains and have them create an all about page describing one of the villains or a character that they really, really enjoyed. Uh, you can create a class book that's a map of different settings from fairy tales and have each class pick, I mean, each uh, student pick one of their favorite settings that they've studied and create a map for it. It's so much fun, they're so cute too and it really works with labeling too. And you can also have them maybe create heroes and villains trading cards where they think of the characteristics that are strong in the villain or uh, in the hero and how they would describe them to somebody. So there's a lot of fun things or have kids pick their own. How do you wanna share what you've learned about fairy tales? What's something you wanna to create to, to share one of your favorite stories that you've heard or read the whole time too. So here are some ways to get some fairy tales if you don't have a strong collection already. Get Epic, which is free for teachers has fairy tales on it and a lot of them are by popular authors. So you know how sometimes you can get like those off fake versions of real Disney movies sometimes on Netflix, not that they're bad or uh, Amazon, but they're not exactly as good as the original um, movie. Well, sometimes fairy tale books can look like that too. It's a fairy tale book, but it's missing 90% of the interesting things too. But Get Epic has a lot of really rich fairy tales on there and it's one of my favorite free resources. So if you haven't tried that yet, it's free for teachers to use in the classroom and it'll give you some copies of digital books. Uh, Reading A to Z has fairy tales as well and it has uh, Reader's Theater for fairy tales if you have a subscription for your school. But the reading levels start at a little bit higher. I believe most of them start between H and L. So that's just something to keep in mind www.dltk slash teach.com slash rhymes also has free printable fairy tales. And of course, you can order some from your library or your town library, and they will send over a whole bunch of them to you as well. So you want to create a vacant basket, maybe, to create some uh, buzz about what's going to be going on, where they get ready to find fairy tales themselves that are in your classroom library and put them in the basket. I've used this strategy with other genre studies. For instance, I had a uh, kindergartner who discovered that some books have medals on them and they were so excited in the beginning of the year to figure out that some books have medals on them. So we sat and talked about how these are awards that books receive and the student made a label for books with awards on it. And wouldn't you know, within a week and a half, that basket was filled because they took books from other interest baskets we had in the class or leveled baskets and pop them in there because they saw them now that they fit into another basket as well too. So you may have fairy tales already hidden in your baskets. If you don't want to spend an entire prep looking through all your books to try and find them, let the kids do it because again, it gives you that quick assessment. Do they really know what a fairy tale is or how much background knowledge do they have about a fairy tale? and they can fill that basket for you, and it works every single time. Huge time saver and very effective of having them look at what an actual fairy tale is. And I have to say, this may not be everyone's fun thing to do, but 
If you can bring in some realia for engagement and language support, your class will love you for it. So it doesn't have to be that you recreate your classroom to look like Disney World, but you can have some fun with this. And if you want the kids on an indoor recess day or a rainy day instead of watching a movie help you do this, that would be a lot of fun too. So maybe you want to hang a dragon or have the kids take bulletin board paper and make a giant dragon or a beanstalk that touches the ceiling in the classroom. Maybe you want a wanted section in your classroom where you can add villains and they can put pictures of villains up there as they encounter them in their own reading. And it helps to have a map of the world if you're doing this as well because you can point to it and show where a lot of the stories originate from or uh, where some of the versions uh, come from as well too. So realia creates this excitement around them too. So as you're saying dragons, as you're saying knights, you can point to things. You don't have to go out and purchase a lot of things, but it's a, it's a fun way to get the unit kick started too. So as I said before, some of my favorite ones to start with are Jack and the Beanstalk, and there's a reason for that. It's because Jack and the Beanstalk, you can find versions that have both a male and a female protagonist in it. So it's a nice way right off the bat to show the class that not every fairy tale begins with a princess because sometimes you may turn off part of the class and be like, oh, it's only girls in it. But that fairy tales include all different types of characters. So Jack and the Beanstalk by Anna Milborn has strong illustrations and really good vocabulary and sentence structure. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes if you're looking for these books so you don't have to scramble and write down all the names now. These will be in the show notes. Kate and the Beanstalk by Mary Pope Osborne. Uh-huh, you heard that right, Mary Pope Osborne. I had no idea that the Magic Treehouse author had some picture books, but you know what? Makes sense, kind of what the basis of uh, the Magic Treehouse is. It's got a fairy tale element to it. Then there's Jack and the Baked Beanstalk by Colin Stimson. The Giant and the Beanstalk by Diane Stanley. And then there's a new one that I just discovered, and I really, really enjoyed it. And it was Jack and the Jelly Beanstalk, which is a completely different take on the story, but pits it in more of a modern time, too. So that was a lot of fun to read. So those are just some suggestions. There's so many out there, too. Now, anchor charts are essential for this unit as well. And... You always have to be a little careful with anchor charts, right? Because we don't want them to just become wallpaper. We don't want them to take over the classroom. They could be a, a beast in itself. But a couple anchor charts that would be really helpful. Um, one that simply states on top, we are learning that fairy tales, dot, dot, dot. And you just fill in some of the things that they've learned about fairy tales throughout your mini lessons as you go ahead. It can be a, a list that grows with your mini lessons. And an anchor chart that also shows the features of fairy tales where you can write the titles of the fairy tales that you've read and you can check off which elements they have so again going back to the idea of a villain um, a hero magic problem solution and um what are some of the other things some of the elements of fantasy you can put different features on there to create an anchor chart and write down the title of each fairy tale as you read it. Write down the characters' names that are specific to it, the setting, the problem in the story, how it was solved. Was it was there magic? Was there a villain? So kids can start to see how these compare to each other as they go through them too and keep track of some of the ones that they've read as they've gone along too. 
that same chart you can then use later on for writing, right? So now we know that these are some of the elements that show up over and over again in fairy tales. So if you were going to create your own version of a fairy tale, what are some things that you would change or which ingredient would you use differently so that it can help support them? I love an anchor chart and reading that can be then turned over into writing because we are constantly reading as writers. So, and it also saves space and it just makes it so much easier for the kids to apply it. So just some of the teaching points that you can use uh, during this time is you can start out with thinking about their background knowledge before they read fairy tales. What do they think they know already about fairy tales? And make a chart as a class, maybe as a before and after of what they think fairy tales are. And it gives you an idea of how much exposure they've had to them and how much background knowledge that they have. Uh, going into mini lessons that focus on each element in fairy tales, so maybe group them together. You don't have to do an entire mini lesson on characters. They know stories have characters and settings, but maybe talk about like three at a time that they can look for and pay attention to as you're reading because at this point in the year, they will have had exposure to characters and setting before. How they can look at a character's traits to to think about a character on the inside and the outside, right? So maybe they want to sketch one of their favorite characters from one of the fairy tales or a fairy tale they're reading and think about what they're like on the inside, what they're like on the outside, their physical appearance. You can also use mini lessons based on personification. So how did the writer use personification to give the animal people powers? Like what are some of the traits that make them more people-like? That's a lot of fun. And if you're sitting here wondering, well, how do I have all these books for my kids to read? I don't have enough fairy tales for my kids to read on their own. You may not yet, but it's something to think about. If you really enjoy this unit and you have fun teaching it, then you know for previous um, next year that you want to find more fairy tale books or maybe there's somebody you can borrow books from. But in the meantime, you can do this as a read aloud. You can use these books, maybe have a fairy tale reading center so that when they're going to centers or they're using the library, if you don't think you have enough books from that basket for everyone to take a fairy tale back with them, which you may not, that's real, you can have them keep the books in the basket and visit that as one of their centers or an option during independent reading time that they can take the fairy tales. Keep in mind that they may fight all over them if that becomes an option for independent reading. So that might be a classroom culture piece too, where how do we share? Can we buddy read fairy tales? Um, if you want to do a rotation and they go to the special fairy tale section of the library, certain days, these are all things to get around not having enough copies of the books or fairy tales for the kids to really read all on their own independently. We can always work around that with creative. But it is, uh, it is important for them to have an opportunity to read some on their own as well too, not just in a read aloud too. And then how readers can really look at the pictures in the stories to help them tell the stories. So if you have a lot of fairy tales where it may be above level and the students still want to experience it and you want to put that in a center, how they can use the, story, the pictures in the story to visualize and make a mind movie and really picture what's happening. And how readers can pay attention to their feelings and how that tells them if a character is having a problem. So one of my favorite ways to teach problem and solution 
is to have kids tap into the feeling they have as they're reading the book. And I would say, if you have that, oh, no, feeling, and I, and I equate it to like when you're at the movies and people start getting nervous when something bad's about to happen, they're like, oh, I can't watch. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to know. That readers get that same feeling when something is about to happen that you know is bad or you're getting that feeling of dread or worry, that's a sign that you've now encountered the reader's problem, I mean the character's problem. So when I'm doing an interactive read aloud, I'll say to them, oh guys, what feelings do you have right now? Does everything seem good? Are you starting to get a little nervous? Who's feeling a little nervous? Oh, now I'm feeling a lot nervous. It seems like something really bad is going on here. I'm worried for this character and how that's a sign that you've now approached the problem. And on the flip side, right, readers can tune into their feelings to figure out when and how a problem is solved, right? So if you have that, oh, thank goodness, everything's okay feeling, I call it the phew feeling, everything's okay, that means that you've probably encountered the solution and the character is out of their problem. So that's a lot of fun. The kids have a, a good time with uh, doing the uh-oh and the phew as they're reading along too and tuning into it. You can even have them put sticky notes where they had the feeling of the uh-oh and the feeling of the few as they were reading. Um, and how they can also think about the character's problem by paying attention to their feelings and connecting with them, right? So why do you know that that's a bad feeling? Why do you know that's not okay? How, how does your background knowledge or things that you've experienced under help you understand why that's a problem, why that might be bad. So it helps with connecting too. So the other thing too is looking at those solutions once they've had those few feelings and really thinking to themselves, how was this solved? Was it solved by magic? Was it good luck? Or was it something that the character overcame because of a trait they had? Are they brave? Or did they learn something that helped them get through it? So how was it solved? And that's a fun one to put on a chart too. And this is really taking them through the whole story, the whole plot. So then when you get to the end, we well, we talked about how the character changed, right? So the problem was solved. So what did the character learn? And that could be one day's teaching point and then the next day. So if the character learned this, what can we learn from this book? What do you think the moral of this story is? And fairy tales are great for that because fairy tales were originally uh, written to teach children lessons. I, I'm reading a book currently about the original fairy tales. And they were so traumatizing, but I guarantee they were effective in making sure kids really listened because that was their intention originally was to make sure that kids understood lessons to keep themselves out of danger. So we want to make sure that we touch upon that as we're teaching it. And even kindergarten and first grade can do this too. Maybe not independently just yet, but in a read aloud, you could definitely have these discussions too. And then you can even go back if you have a curriculum that likes to talk about cause and effect and that that's a big part of it. You can look back and say, okay, this event, because of this event, what happened next? Because of this event, what happened next? So you can really go back through the story and look at the chain of events. You can look at what caused the problem to be solved. If you have a curriculum that's heavy on compare and contrast as one of their teaching points, you can compare, again, the different fairy tales and contrast them from each other. And you can also compare and contrast the villain to the hero and look at that too. So these are all skills that can be applied to not just Basil Reader books, but also stories that we have in our library too. Because our ultimate goal is that they can apply these skills to books that they pick up on their own too. 
And then, like I said before, it's a fairy tales are a great um, way to make connections between other books. So once you're done studying and immersing yourself in fairy tales, it's a lot of fun to rewrite a fairy tale together as a class as part of a shared piece of writing. So maybe there's a story that they really, really loved and held on to and you want to rewrite it together as a class uh, and then have them try on their own if they want to create their own fairy tale or if they would like to rewrite. So it's a fun end of the year uh, writing workshop unit too. Once they've been immersed, I wouldn't do this at the same time, but stagger it a couple weeks and see what they do because fiction writing is great in second grade usually it's the most developmentally appropriate but you can also have kindergarten and first graders do a lot of work around character and if you were going to create a fairy tale character and create a backstory who would your character be what would they be like what would their likes and dislikes be and maybe take them through that brainstorming process where would your fairy tale take place and if they're ready for it why not put a little bit of a the journey of plot and doing some problem and solution work through the fairy tale as well too. It'd be interesting to see what they have coming up. So fairy tales I find are a great way to end the year because they look back at all the different skills that students have been learning throughout the whole year or can be applied to fairy tales. They're fun, they're familiar, uh, they have great discussions around them. And it really, really, really strengthens retelling for the students who may have previously struggled with retelling and story elements before. It makes it very real for the kids as they're reading it. And it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to end the school year. There's so much celebration ideas that you can use. You can have kids dress up as their favorite villain, their, very, their favorite fairy tale character. You can... Uh, Pick one of them that you would like to see in a movie and watch the movie together. There's a lot of fun that can be had with it as well, too. So another um, list real quickly, and I'll also put this in the show notes, of fairy tales that are, are easy to find. I used to love doing The Three Little Pigs because I found like we could do so much with The Three Little Pigs. But there's the true story of The Three Little Pigs by John. I know I'm going to say his last name wrong, and it's okay. Sketchka. Cheska, I've heard two different versions of saying it. There's The Three Pigs by David Wisner, The Three Little Javelinas, coming from the desert, I love that one, by Susan Lowell, The Three Little Wolves and the Big Bad Pig by Eugenios Trevisas, and there's The Three Little, what is it, The Three Little Tamales, which I have not read yet. I'm trying to acquire it because I'm interested in seeing uh, that version too by Eric A. Kinnell. And The Three Little Dassies by Jan Brett. I love Jan Brett. Jan Brett is such a great author for fairy tales too. If you wanted to study an author illustrator as a class and you wanted to take that approach for your fairy tale unit, Jan Brett will not disappoint. And she has such imaginative uh, versions of different fairy tales as well too. So it's nice to pair them with the original and then look at how she takes personification and to a whole new level because almost all of her characters are animals throughout the fairy tale unit too. So this is another fun way. So I know the end of the school year can be tough, but if you are looking for something fun and exciting that still keeps kids growing, still keeps them learning as writers and readers, I highly suggest a fairy tale unit for a great happy ending to your school year as well. So stay tuned for the next episodes in this series where we look at some other options 
that could be great for the end of the year to keep your writers and readers engaged, keep them moving, and send them off with something really interesting to share going into the summer. So thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to sharing more with you in the following podcast episode of this series. As always, remember to keep a book by your side and a story in your heart. Thanks for stopping by. Can't take notes while driving or running? No worries. The Mentor Text for Munchkins community has you covered. Join the free Mentor Text for Munchkins community at www.mentortextformunchkins.com. Members of the community have access to a free Mentor Text resource organizer, free Mentor Text cheat sheets for each episode that include author biographies, think aloud tips, and mini lesson ideas for reading and writing workshop. As a member, you also gain access to community-exclusive giveaways. Did I mention membership is free? Educators need a little more free in our lives. Be sure to join the community at www.mentortextformunchkins.com. Our community mission? Let's share with kids that reading and writing are not just things they do, but a part of who they are. If we're having fun teaching, they're going to have a blast learning. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, will you please take a moment to review this podcast so others can find it? Hey, you can double dip and use your review as an example of persuasive and opinion writing for your students. Have an idea for a future episode? Stop by the website www.mentortextformunchkins.com and send us an email with your thoughts. Until next time, remember, always keep a book by your side and a story in your heart. 